Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 370, last one of the year. Today's big Bible question, how does the Bible end? Well, hello, friends, and happy New Year's Eve to you. We have made it to the final countdown of the year. That's right. This is the last episode. This is it. You have made it. I have made it by the grace of God. The last day of 2020, and (laughs) what a year it has been. I want to thank all of you, each and every one, for being with us this year. I hope this podcast has been a blessing and encouragement to you in 2020. I know for me, it has been amazingly helpful Not necessarily to do the podcast. I mean, that's been fine. But I got to tell you, to read the Word of God every day, several chapters, I think we've averaged something like four and a half or five chapters a day, not quite five, but over four, to read the Word of God every day and think about it and talk about it, that has been so good for me. Initially, as the year wore on, I had decided to do just one year of daily podcasting and only one year. I have never done a daily podcast before. I've been doing podcasts since uh, literally 2005. Uh, it was part of the first po- podcast ever uh, in Alabama, but uh, I've never done a daily podcast and and it's 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 kind of a crazy thing. And even though doing this daily podcast has been very beneficial for me personally. And I've been happy with how many people the show has reached. There's no question that in a sense, doing a daily podcast day in, day out, no breaks, no vacations, in a sense, that can be somewhat grueling, at least from time to time. On average, I think this year I've spent more than two hours a day, probably two and a half to three hours every single day on the podcast, and that can add up. But here's the thing. I never really got to a place where I was just done and tired of it. It's definitely been something like work from time to time, but honestly, it's been more refreshment than travail, if that makes any sense. And I attribute that to the supernatural power of the Word of God. It is so good for us. Now, with that said, as I've mentioned over the past few days, I do believe we are going to continue into 2021 with a daily Bible-focused podcast. The name is going to change, and that's not uh, too unusual. This particular podcast feed has changed its name three times already. Um, actually, two times already, and then the one uh, tomorrow will be the third. Um, and so the name's going to change. The format will be a bit different, and the length is probably going to be a little shorter But the focus won't change. The Bible, the Word of God, we're still going to focus on that. So please stay tuned and allow it to develop a little bit over the next month or so. I have sort of a working format to go with, but once you get going with that sort of thing, there's often some changes in tinkering. Uh, And so January will be a time of fine-tuning and finding a rhythm. More on that tomorrow. For today, we're going to read 2 Chronicles 36, Malachi 4, John 21, and Revelation 22. If you have listened to every episode of the podcast this year, I would so love to hear from you. If you have, you've read the Old Testament twice, Psalms twice, and the New Testament twice in one year, which is a big accomplishment. Good job to you. I do want to ask you, uh, especially as we go forward into 2021, to share the show with friends, to leave a review on iTunes. It's been a while since we've had a review. Uh, I understand the name's going to be changing, but you'll still be able to find us and Share the show. Let let people know about it. The more people that uh, 
can join us for daily Bible reading. Uh, We're not going to be focused on this next year. We're not going to be focused on reading through the Bible in one year. We're going to be focused on daily consuming the Word of God. So as many people as we can get to join with us on that mission should be awesome. Our big Bible question for today is all focused on Revelation 22, but I do need to first briefly highlight a verse from the other readings, uh, particularly from the last chapter of the Old Testament, a wonderful promise that we find in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, which says this, God speaking, he says, For you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and playfully jump like calves from the stall. I love that promise. It's so wonderful. It encapsulates everything my heart desires. For the people who fear the name of the Lord, He is going to bring healing and wholeness. And not only that, but joy. And not just kind of a a sit back and have a slight grin on your face kind of joy. No, the kind of joy that baby cows have when they get out of the stall and they're bouncing around and going crazy. Man, I want that. Every day I want that. I, I can still relate to that. I'm not a spring chicken anymore, but I've still got that calf in me that loves to jump around and play. And I, uh, I, I love this promise. Those who fear his name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and playfully jump like calves from the stall. Amen to that. Well, today we ask the question, how does the Bible end? And we find the answer in the last chapter of Revelation, which is chapter 22. So let's read that chapter and consider the things we learn. Revelation 22, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more." People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, and the one who heard and saw these things, when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had shown them to me. But he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you, your brothers the prophets, and those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Then he said to me, Don't seal up the words of this of the prophecy of this book, because the time is near. Let the unrighteous go on in unrighteousness. Let the filthy still be filthy. Let the righteous go on in righteousness, and let the holy still be holy. Look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you for the churches. 
I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Both the Spirit and the bride say, Come, let anyone who hears say, Come, let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take the water of life freely. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy city which are written about in this book. He who testifies about these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with everyone. Amen. So I see five big things in this chapter. Uh, in answer to the question, how does the Bible end? Well, I see five kind of big things. Of course, there's some other details and things in there, but I want to cover these five ways that the Bible ends. Number one, we see that the eternal dwelling for the people of God will be in the new Jerusalem, which appears to be united with the new earth. The new Jerusalem is from heaven and the new earth is, is remade, reformed by God. So where will people live forever? Well, the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem that we've read about over the last couple of chapters is going to be obviously the, the big part of that. In that place, says Revelation 22, there will no longer be any curse. That means no death, no pain, no anxiety, no tears, no depression, no turmoil, nothing like that. Also, there's no need for artificial light. God himself is the light. And not only that, God will be with his people, visible, tangible. He's going to be there. That's unimaginably awesome. So the first, the Bible ends with an incredible and amazing hope to look forward to. Number two, upon the return of Jesus, there will be those who are on the inside of the city with Jesus and God and those on the outside. Unlike the kingdoms of this world, insider privilege is not based on wealth or fame or looks or power or birthright, but upon grace and faith alone. Those who are washed in the blood and sacrifice of Jesus and made clean will live eternally in the presence of God. Those who persist in their sin and reject the King of Kings will be outside eternally. This is sobering. So secondly, the Bible ends with a division between those who are in Christ and those who are outside of Christ. We read this in verses 14 and 15, which says, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Number three, the word of God is not to be added to or subtracted from. Human beings do not have the power, nor the authority, nor the wisdom to pick and choose from the truths of the Bible. There is a strong warning with terrifying consequences here in the end of the Bible, to neither add more to ultimate truth or obscure or take away from it. The whole counsel of God is his word, and we must neither ignore parts of it that might be unpalatable for us, nor must we add our own spin and thoughts and values to it. Thirdly, therefore, we see that the Bible ends with a fully loaded warning. Verse 18 and 19 says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy city, which are written about in this book. 
Number four, justice at its most basic is giving people what they deserve for good or for ill. In a sense, the kingdom of God is built on mercy in that we would all be destroyed if we truly got what we deserved. However, because Jesus paid the price for our sins, we don't have to. And that dynamic apparently paves the way for some type of eternal in heavenly reward to be given to those who have used their life well in the service of Jesus. Now, let me be clear on that last sentence. I'm not saying that pastors or full-time ministers will have an advantage in this regard. Any and all, no matter their profession, can give their life well in the service of Jesus, and a life lived in such a way, seeking first the kingdom of God rather than seeking first the kingdoms of this world, will be eternally rewarded, says Jesus. Thus, the Bible ends with an expectation of graceful justice and a reward to be given to those who have worked for it in Christ. Verse 12 and 13, Jesus says, Look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So Jesus is bringing with him a reward, and he's saying, I am it. I can pay the reward You can trust me, I am the beginning and the end. Finally, number five, Jesus is coming soon. This particular promise, Jesus himself saying, I am coming soon, appears three times in this last chapter. So obviously it is very, very important. Now we remember from 1 Peter, which we read a few weeks ago, that our definition of soon and God's definition of soon might be a little different or a lot different, but his return is sure and certain and promised. He is coming and this is wonderful. So then the Bible ends with a promise of return for us to hope in and wait for. Verse 20, for instance, says, he who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Maranatha, let it be. So what does the Bible end with? Hope, division, warning, reward, and return. Well, friends, may the Lord grant you an amazing 2021, and may he quickly rescue us from all of the evil and trouble that we first experienced in 2020. Lord willing, we'll see you next year. But don't leave yet. We got some more scripture to read. Beginning with Second Chronicles 36, verse 1. Then the common people took Jehoiahaz, son of Josiah, and made him king in Jerusalem in place of his father. Jehoiahaz was 23 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. The king of Egypt deposed him in Jerusalem and fined the land 7,500 pounds of silver and 75 pounds of gold. Then King Necho of Egypt made Jehoiahaz his brother Eliakim king over Judah and Jerusalem and changed Eliakim's name to Jehoiakim. But Necho took his brother Jehoiahaz and brought him to Egypt. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. Now King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon attacked him and bound him in bronze shackles to take him to Babylon. Also, Nebuchadnezzar took some of the articles of the Lord's temple to Babylon and put them in his temple in Babylon. The rest of the deeds of Jehoiakim, the detestable actions he committed and what was found against him, are written in the book of Israel's kings. His son Jehoiachin became king in his place. Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king and he reigned three months and ten days in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. In the spring, Nebuchadnezzar sent for him and brought him to Babylon along with valuable articles of the Lord's temple. 
Then he made Jehoiachin's brother Zedekiah king over Judah and Jerusalem. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God and did not humble himself before the prophet Jeremiah at the Lord's command. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear allegiance by God. He became obstinate and hardened his heart against returning to the Lord, the God of Israel. All the leaders of the priests and the people multiplied their unfaithful deeds, imitating all the detestable practices of the nations, and they defiled the Lord's temple that he had consecrated in Jerusalem. But the Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word against them by the hand of his messengers, sending them time and time again, for he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place, but they kept ridiculing God's messengers, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets, until the Lord's wrath was so stirred up against his people that there was no remedy. So he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their fit young men with a sword in the house of their sanctuary. He had no pity on young men or young women, elderly or aged. He handed them all over to him. He took everything to Babylon, all the articles of God's temple, large and small, the treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the king and his officials. Then the Chaldeans burned God's temple. They tore down Jerusalem's wall, burned all its palaces and destroyed all its valuable articles. He deported those who escaped from the sword to Babylon and they became servants to him and his sons until the rise of the Persian kingdom. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, and the land enjoyed its Sabbath rest all the days of the desolation until 70 years were fulfilled. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah, the Lord roused the spirit of King Cyrus of Persia to issue a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom and also to put it in writing. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of the heavens, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up and may the Lord his God be with him. Amen. Malachi chapter 4 verse 1. For the day is coming burning like a furnace when all of the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. The coming day will consume them, says the Lord of armies, not leaving them root or branches. For but for you who fear my name... The Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and playfully jump like calves from the stall. You will trample the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day I am preparing, says the Lord of armies, remember the instruction of Moses, my servant, the statutes and ordinances I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Look, I am going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. John chapter 21 verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you, they told him, and they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called to them. 
You don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he had taken it off and plunged into the sea. Since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciple came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. So he asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And after saying this, he told him, follow me. So Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and asked, Lord, who is the one that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? If I want him to remain until I come, Jesus answered, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So this rumor spread to the brothers and sisters that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not tell him that he would not die. But if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. Amen and amen. Well, friends, thus ends year 2020 of the Bible Reading Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. I hope you're back tomorrow. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his word to dwell in your hearts by faith. May you walk in it. May you be encouraged by it. May you be admonished and warned and built up and blessed by it. May the Lord be with you. May his hand be on you and his face shine towards you. Good day to you, friends. Prosperous Godspeed to you. Amen.